could not think of anymore. It's been a great ride for me, fun ride. I put a lot of work in, put this body through a lot over the years, so uh, I think it's, the body's definitely ready to rest a little bit for sure. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. There's this thing on Reddit, which is the place I go when I run out of all other social medias. I'll go to Reddit before TikTok, which is why I know I'm not that young anymore. I just I can't get to I can't get TikTok to work with me. Whatever. So I go to Reddit when I'm really bored, and there's this thing called Am I the A-hole? Like someone shares a story and basically asks, Am I the Am I the jerk in this situation? And people give their input, right? And it's just fun to read. I'm wondering if I'm the weirdo today. I stopped on my way into work to get coffee. Walked to work, so I swung a block up downtown Lacrosse. I stopped at a coffee shop. It's like 98 degrees today. I don't know how hot it is. It's hot as hell. And I got a cup of hot black coffee. And the barista, who's very nice, like, you don't want it iced? I'm like, oh, no. It's warm. is fine. He goes, are you sure? She asked like two or three times. Am I the weirdo for getting hot coffee on a day like today? Am I a psycho? It was delicious. I mean, I drank it in my air-conditioned office with a fan blowing on me. But am I a psycho for getting hot coffee on a day where it's 98 degrees? I got some weird looks. I don't like iced coffee because then I got to put a bunch of cream and sugar in it. Now it doesn't feel like I'm drinking coffee. It feels like I'm drinking a milkshake, and I didn't want a milkshake. I want a coffee. So you can can understand my my issue today. I just I needed to vent about this. It was a very it's very odd interaction. Am I the weirdo? Am I the jerk? I still get ice cream when it's 30 degrees below zero. Ice cream's still great. Hot coffee's still great, even if it's hot outside. I didn't think there was anything weird about it, but I got some weird looks. That's all all I'm saying. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had an awesome weekend, and your week is off to a good start, despite the hot weather. You know what we have to cool us down tonight? We got uh, Game 3, the Stanley Cup Finals. Hockey. Yeah, that'll that'll cool us down, right? Day 1 hockey fans in this show. Always been a big hockey show. Been talking about hockey for years. And by years, I mean like last Tuesday. <laughs> We've always been a hockey show ever since we started talking about hockey, which was last week. And we have, a, we have a hockey game to cool us down tonight. Brewers start a series with the Cardinals, which I can't wait to talk about. Not every baseball game is wildly entertaining. Not every baseball game is worth a lot of conversation or time this is one of those series that will be worth our time so we have a lot of previewing to do yes but it's not just about the matchup between the brewers and the cardinals it's what this series is going to tell us about the brewers and what this four game series is going to tell us about the cardinals two teams with identical records but teams that are constructed in different ways and have different strengths and weaknesses so this series is just going to be a blast we're going to dig into that Obviously, talk about Lorenzo Cain being designated for assignment. You heard his voice in tonight's intro, so I want to talk about that. I have a love-hate relationship with Lorenzo Cain right now. As the day moves along, it's moved away from hate and more towards love. I'll kind of explain why I'm struggling with this whole Lorenzo Cain thing, not being on the team. That's coming up in a few minutes. I want to talk maybe if we have time. One NBA Finals thing, and it's a Bucks thing. I listened to a lot of NBA podcasts this week. I had a wedding in the Twin Cities, so I had to drive to the cities. And then after the wedding, I drove to my parents, which is Northwest Wisconsin. And then last night, I drove back down to La Crosse. So I did a lot of driving and listened to a lot of NBA podcasts that were reacting to the NBA finals and talking about what the Warriors did so well 
and what the Celtics couldn't do, specifically Jason Tatum. And I noticed that a lot of the things that Jason Tatum failed to do in this finals were things that Giannis did so well last year. But when Giannis was doing them, it's almost like we took them for granted. All of these things that Giannis did last year, we kind of passed as this foregone conclusion. Whereas now with Tatum, it's like, well, Tatum should be able to do this, 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 this. I, I want to talk about that in the second half of the show. 608-796-2558. Uh, normally, I don't do texts or calls in the first couple of minutes, but seeing I, I put it out there, Pete and Chip was says iced coffee is an abomination. Iced coffee is a treat to be enjoyed on a Saturday or Sunday morning when I don't have work to do. Black coffee is fuel. Warm coffee is fuel, which is why I got it today. It's a work day. I don't care that it's 98 degrees. So thank you, Pete, for agreeing with me. You're a working man, a blue-collared man like myself. I appreciate you. Thanks for the text. 608-796-2558. You can get me on Twitter as well, at Wisco Grant. Okay. I've tried to do this before for content, uh, whether it's been racing or hockey or soccer or golf. I can't fake sports. I can't fake caring about hockey or golf or soccer especially I try and I try and I try and I try I want to be one of those cool people that tweets about Premier League on Sunday morning and I can't I tweet about Pioneer Woman and Food Network because Sunday morning is just peak Food Network that's what I'm interested in that's what I care about that's what I talk about and I can't fake being interested in a sport not even for content if it doesn't interest me I can't make it interesting on the show And I am happy to report, as I said on Thursday, that I've been jiving with hockey, right? I didn't see game two on Saturday, but it was seven to nothing. So I feel like it was a good game. I I had a wedding this weekend. I was busy. I was with family, so I didn't catch game two. But then I saw it was seven to nothing, and I thought, phew, okay, good. I didn't miss a close game. Hopefully game three tonight will be close. I'm going to be plugged into the hockey game and Brewers Cardinals tonight. Okay. I'm also happy to report that I think I'm starting to love golf. I think. I think this is real. I think I... I think I love her. I think she's the one. I think I think this is the time in my life where I step up and I get a little bit older and I start to like golf. I'm trying to think of things that you start to like as you get older. I've also started to really enjoy getting my oil changed in my car. That's not a euphemism for anything uh, because I get an hour in a cool, quiet, air-conditioned lobby with free coffee and I can sit on my laptop and no one bothers me. Love getting my oil changed. It's 50 bucks. I'll pay 100 Leave me alone for an hour. I'll, I'll pay you 200 bucks, right? I hope I start to like olives more as I get older. I don't like olives, but I, I, I really want to. Hoping I pick that up as I age. Starting to like golf. Uh, we had a huge family gathering at my parents' house on Sunday, and it was lovely, right? All the cousins brought their kids and the dogs, and everyone was swimming in the lake. My parents live on a lake, so it was great. But I felt the gravity of our living room TV as the day went along, and I kept walking in to check the leaderboard. And the U.S. Open in the past has been a major that I've always watched. I normally watch the Masters and the U.S. Open. And then every other major and every other tournament is kind of, we'll see. We'll see what I got going on. I always liked the U.S. Open. I loved it yesterday. Kept walking into check. I was dialed into the finish, the last hole between Zalatoris, who I was kind of pulling for really for no reason other than I kind of wanted to see him win. Uh, And then the eventual winner, Matt Fitzpatrick, who had a chance to close it, but the ball went right by. And then Zalatoris had a chance to force overtime. Came up short. Scotty Scheffler was up there as well. Matsuyama, Morikawa, McElroy. Really good top of the leaderboard. Really entertaining major. Really entertaining U.S. Open. Um, and I like the U.S. Open because the course is always hard. So if you want to hear more about that, Ben Kenny had an awesome breakdown today. I was in hosting the Bill Michaels show with him today. Bill had a day off. So Ben and I talked about it. Ben 
speaks much more intelligently on golf by a huge margin. So check out the podcast for today's Bill Michaels show if you want to hear more of the two of us discussing golf. Um, I want to talk about the Brewers, too. I want to talk about Lorenzo Cain. Let's, uh, let's shift to that, as Colin Cowherd would say. All right, let's shift to this. Let's shift to this. Lorenzo Cain gets DFA'd on Saturday, the day he hits 10 years of Major League service time, okay? I got the push notification on my phone. I was shocked. I was the friend who doesn't watch sports at all. And I said, the Brewers just did something big. And they're like, oh, what? And I was like, how do I explain this? Oh, okay, so the guy's been in the league forever. He's an all-time great, at least in my lifetime. Just one of the best ball players of the last decade or so. Won a World Series in Kansas City, and now he's not on the team. Designated for assignment, but at this point in his career, he has no minor league options left. So designated for assignment essentially makes him a free agent. Now he's probably going to retire. And I'm like, wait, you don't care? But I started to explain anyways, whatever. This shocked me. This really, really surprised me. And I guess I'm in the minority. Brewers fans, at least the way that I've taken the temperature of the fan base on Twitter and listening to other shows today, and again, hosting the afternoon show with Ben today, Brewers fans are really, really down on Lorenzo Kane. And I get his numbers stink. They're really, really poor. Compare them to Lorenzo Kane in 2018, his first year in Milwaukee when he was an all-star. At 308, let me see here. 166 hits, 25 doubles, 71 walks. Man, that's a really good season. At some point this week, we got to have a conversation on whether Lorenzo Cain, especially his time with the Brewers early on, was very underrated. I think it was. God, it's a good season. 2019, it was really good too. Two awesome seasons. Then started to trail off a little bit. His Brewers tenure kind of interrupted by the pandemic and never really got it back. I get his numbers were really poor. He was hitting 179. A lot of strikeouts. It just it just wasn't great at the plate. I get that. I get his numbers were poor, and he wasn't playing well at all. I guess I had a lot of fan stock, personal stock in him turning it around. Not on the show. It's not something we ever really talked about. But in my mind, as I go about my day every day, as I go grocery shopping, as I drive to get gas, as I do my daily things, and I kill time in my head by thinking about the Brewers, thinking about the Packers, I think we all do this, right? In my mind the way I organized the Brewers and thought about certain players, I guess I always just assumed he would get it going at some point and figure it out. And I don't mean start hitting 300 again. I don't mean that he was going to hit pile of home runs. That's not necessarily what I thought. But I thought he'd be a productive player at some point for the Brewers. Productive is relative, right? I thought at the very least he'd be an interesting, experienced pinch hit option late in the season. Defensive replacement, pinch runner, clubhouse leader is a guy who's won a World Series in Kansas City, a market very similar to Milwaukee. I just thought there was more gas in the tank. Even if it's not hitting 300 and driving in runs and hitting leadoff or hitting in the meat of the order, I just, I thought there was more meat left on this bone. And in my mind, the way I think about the Brewers and organize things, I had a lot of stock personally, I guess, in him being a useful player for the Brewers at some point this season. Same with Andrew McCutcheon. I think I've said this multiple times. When Andrew McCutcheon went 0 for 32 or whatever it was, I never worried. That was frustrating. It was a bummer and it was annoying because the Brewers couldn't score. But Andrew McCutcheon's been a useful player in Major League Baseball for a long time. A guy like him can endure an 0 for 30 stretch and figure it out. And look, he has. He's hit the ball very well in the last week or so. He's a productive player. He figured it out. And I guess I always just kind of thought, Lorenzo Cain was similar 
Eventually, he'll figure it out. He's played a lot of baseball. He understands their ups and downs. If anybody can mentally pull out of a tough slump and be a productive player and find a way to be useful for this team, it would be Lorenzo Cain. And I guess I thought he would want to find a way to be useful for this team. Right? And half of me is a little disappointed in Lorenzo Cain. And I'm going to tread lightly here, and I'm going to be careful in how I word this. And I hope you can understand where I'm coming from. I love Lorenzo Cain. Right before we went on air, I was watching his interview with the Brewers media scrum the other day where he's talking about how it's been a long career and he would have liked to be a little bit more productive this year. And obviously this isn't how you want to see it end, but he thinks it's time and he's put his body through a lot. And I'm watching this interview and I'm thinking, oh, love this guy. It's his time to retire. He should go enjoy it. Right. And then I started watching highlights and I was watching the clip from the ALCS in, was that 2015? when the Royals won the World Series, and they were up three games to two against the Blue Jays. Tie game in the eighth, and he scores on a single from first. Remember this? It's so loud in Kansas City. You can barely hear Joe Buck. He can fly. What a play. It's electric. He's coming around the corner. And then in 2018, in game 163, maybe one of the best baseball games I've seen. Have we seen a game as good as game 163 since then? With the stakes, the level of competition, everything on the line. It had been building up for a month. And then Lorenzo Cain comes up with who else other than Orlando RC at third base because he had an awesome game that day. I think he had four hits in game 163, and he scores from third. Lorenzo Cain just rifles one right back up the middle. We got Steve Cishek on the mound. Pitches really well against right-handed hitters, but Lorenzo Cain. Back up the middle, and Lorenzo Cain looks at his bench as he drives in. Garcia, and the Brewers grab a 2-1 lead in the eighth. So I watch... And I listen to these highlights, some of the coolest baseball moments. They're electric. There's a feel when Lorenzo Cain makes a big play. And there's a way that it feels. You can feel it. There's there's something tangible. It's different than a big player just jacking a home run in a big moment. There's something chaotic. There's a lot of energy around the way Lorenzo Cain plays. And then I listen to his interview, and I'm like, oh, I'm so happy for this guy. He reached 10 years. He gets to go spend time with his kids. He doesn't have to be on the road 80 nights a year. Like, Good for him. I really like him, and I and I and I do like him. The other half of me kind of wishes that Lorenzo Cain had a little bit of drive left to be a really productive, helpful player for this Brewers team. Again, I'm not talking about him hitting 305. I'm not talking about him playing a full 162 and driving in 80 runs and hitting 10 to 15 home runs. That's not what I mean. I I guess I just wish that Lorenzo Cain would have wanted to do everything possible to be a helpful player, to be a leader, to be a utility player that had some utility, some way of helping this Brewers team. That's what I wish. I just feel like he left a little bit of meat on the bone. And I think he wanted to be done. And I, dude, if you want to be done, go be done. Go be with your family. I guess I wish he didn't want to be done. And he wanted to give it all for a couple of more months, even as a utility bat off the bench, a pinch runner, uh, late game defensive substitution, whatever it was. The Brewers need him. The Brewers could use something from him. And part of me feels like he's walking out just a little bit sooner than I wanted him to go. He's going to go be with his family. I can't hate that. Can't hate. I can be bummed. Can wish there was 
one last ride with Lorenzo Kane in there. But I get it. Go be with your family. Baseball's a grind. That's why when quarterbacks say, I want to spend time with my family. Do you really? Season is 17, 18 weeks long. You have the rest of the year to be with your family. Do you really? Tell that to a baseball player. You know, tell that to Lorenzo Kane. He's got to play 162 games, be on the road 82 nights a year. And even when you're not on the road, you're playing every day. Can't be with your kids that much. So I'm happy for Lorenzo Kane. I just wish... I wish that he wished for a little bit more in the last season. What are you going to do? Let's take a break. We'll talk about the Brewers' uh, weekend series against the Reds. They got a sweep. And maybe, just maybe, we found a new powerhouse unit, a new offensive unit in the middle of the lineup. A lot of power coming from two guys this weekend. I want to talk about that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you being here. Hope you had a good weekend. And you're staying cool. It's a hot one. (laughs) Brewers Cardinals tonight. I can't wait. This series gives us some meat. Gives us some talking points. This series is going to mean something. Which is going to make talking about the Brewers a lot more fun this week. Hopefully they win and they can be positive conversations. We're also talking about Lorenzo Cain. I was about to tweet before I ran out of time in that commercial break and I had to come back. Do we underrate Lorenzo Cain's 2018 and 2019 seasons with the Brewers? I think we do. I don't know how much. I don't know if it's a topic, but I I would challenge Brewers fans to go back and watch Lorenzo Cain highlights from 2018 and 2019. Look at his stats. Look at his big moments on YouTube. Go do that and then come back to me and try to tell me that that we talk about those moments the right amount. And because today when I went back and I watched a lot of this stuff over again and I was looking at the stats, I thought, man, I kind of forgot how awesome he was. Forgot how impactful of a player he was. I forgot how many big moments he had, right? Now, I don't know if that makes him underrated. That word gets thrown around in sports talk so much that I think we've actually lost the meaning of it. I don't think we talk enough and I don't think we think about enough how good he was for the Brewers in 2018-2019. I think two reasons. Number one, Yelich was better. Yelich was insane. And two, it was before the pandemic. And I think there's this weird mental divide with things that happened before the pandy. I think we we have a mental cutoff of what we allocate space for in our brain. I think our life is separated, at least in the last decade or so, last eight years, I think our life is separated into two portions. It's things that happened before the pandemic and things that have happened since. And I think in the middle, there's this window from early 2020 to maybe early 2021 where we just don't think or remember anything. I don't remember anything about the Dodgers winning the World Series. I know they played it in some weird ballpark in Texas. Who did the Dodgers beat that year? I don't even know. I seriously don't know. Was it the... Was it the Astros? Who the Brewers? You know, I'm going to look it up because I feel like this is something I should know. 2020 World Series. I don't remember at all. Oh, they beat the Tampa Bay Rays. I seriously didn't remember. That was the year where Kevin Cash took out Blake Snell early. Was that that series? See, this is what I'm talking about. We have this weird mental divide with things that happened before, after, during the pandemic. 
I think we really underrate how good Lorenzo Cain was for the Brewers in 2018 and 2019 for multiple reasons. Go back and watch the highlights. They're so fun. You can feel the energy. I was watching on YouTube on my phone, and I could feel it. I was like, ooh, I'm right back there in game 163. Was that a Tuesday afternoon or a Monday afternoon, something like that? Oh, so fun. Lorenzo Cain with that big RBI in the eighth inning to go ahead and just the energy that he brought. Go back and watch the video of him scoring from first in the ALCS in 2015 against the Blue Jays. It's just, I think we really underrate how good Lorenzo Cain was at his peak. And I'm happy that he's retiring, we assume, and that he can go spend time with his family and just physically recover because the way that he played, it was electric, but I think it, it beat him up. Probably pretty sore. Took a physical beating over the last couple of years. And I'm happy for him. There is part of me, however, that's a little petty and thinks, dude, don't you want to stick it out and try to help this team win any way you can? But I understand it. I get it. Let's talk to Hector in Alaska. 608-796-2558. What's up, Hector? How's it going, Grant? Oh, swell. I'm fighting this internal struggle about whether I'm thrilled for Kane or upset at him. I think it's both. Yeah, as a, of course, a newer fan, mm-hmm. as you as you know, um, I'm kind of split too, but I'm more as like a father happy for him. So he can go spend time with his family and like professional sports aren't forever. And a lot of people don't make it to those double digit years. So uh, what he's accomplished and given to the baseball world, it's, it's good to see that he gets some time to just be now. I'm also big on uh, watching YouTube highlights and stuff like that, so I'm going to have to look into his highlights. But uh, you talking about McCutcheon reminded me, the one that I'll always remember is when he was playing for the Pirates and he was, I think, sliding into home. And they went to tag his foot and he literally, like, dug his cleats in, stopped, and then, like, reached over with his hand and touched the base to be safe. Yeah, yeah. I always remember that from McCutcheon when I watch him play. So, um, but I was going. Your, I <laughs> when your show started on Friday, I waited the normal ten minutes or so, and then tried to call in, and then realized you were talking about how it was going to be more of a podcast and pre-recorded thing. Yeah, I was taking the day I, off, and uh, no one could fill in. But I didn't want to do a best of. I wanted to do original content. It was all original content. It was just recorded that morning. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was nice, though, because you were, you know, you had mentioned Boston doesn't always lose in the championship, and so it was nice to hear you rat on them a little bit and then all kind of come to an end kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I was a little bit thrown off by you agreeing with Council about sending on that last play just because of how much it changed the game. Mm-hmm. But they rallied over the weekend and swept, which was to be expected, and um, I don't know. I think they might. I'm knocking on wood here. Yeah, I'll do it. With but you. Uh, I could see another. I could see another sweep, or at least majority wins. I think that that having a something like that over the weekend to get the bats going and that kind of stuff uh, is good for them. Because in any kind of uh, level of sport, when it comes to that, because even with my our, our softball league, we lost. Uh, two weeks ago by four, and then last week we won twenty-five to zero, and then Ooh. this yesterday we we won thirty-four to two. So boomer bust offense—that's what uh, I'm hearing. Well, Hector, there's always something good losing. Yeah, Hector, can I ask you? Because this is what I'm going to talk about next. I might as well ask you while I have you. Do you think the Brewers turned a corner 
over the weekend with the Reds? This is what Ben and I talked about on Bill's show earlier today. Do you think they turned a corner? I do, and it's funny because Father's Day, I was with my dad and um, my grandpa, Mac, he, uh, my dad's dad, and we really bonded over, because um, I'm adopted, so like the one thing that we bonded over when I first uh, moved here was um, <clears throat> like baseball. But I wasn't like watching baseball, but not uh, as a stereotypical Hispanic. I played soccer and I played baseball when I was out in California. Yeah. And so we were talking about it too. And um, yeah, I think I think everything as terrible as it was a month this last month of baseball as a fan to watch. And I'm not gonna lie, I almost was like, is it you know worth it being a baseball fan? Like this is kind of BS. Like you know. Basketball, you kind of know where your team's going to be, and same with football and stuff. So I, I was talking to my dad and my grandpa about it, and they agreed about that it was it's kind of a turning point, and it was a good time for them to have a bad streak because I think coming off of that and then playing the Reds helps you know, get that confidence back that they had before the losing, yeah. all the losing started. I think it's going to be a fun rest of the season. I think so, too. All right, we can keep talking about that. i got to take a break, Hector. It's nice to hear from me, and I'm glad you had a good Father's Day. Yeah, absolutely. You have a good rest of your week. Yeah, you as well. That is Hector on Alaska, 608-796-2558. The Brewers have a new, I want to say mitochondria. You know, the mitochondria is a powerhouse of the cell. Brewers have a new powerhouse in the middle of their batting order, or at least they did this weekend, in Hunter Renfro and Willie Adamas, and that allowed them to score a lot of runs, sweep the Reds. Have they turned a corner by sweeping the Reds? And what did you see from Renfro and Adamas? I have some thoughts, uh, and we can talk about where the Brewers are headed next with a couple huge series against really good baseball teams this week. More of the Wisco Sports Show back in a couple of minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. We are uh, at some point this week just warning you. We're going to do a Twitter follower blitz because I am nine followers away from reaching the 100 mark. I'm at 1691, so I'm nine away from 1700. So at some point today or this week, we're going to band forces together and we're going to get me to 1700 followers. And when I say we, I truly mean you and only you because I can't follow me. That is a that's a you thing. So when we get close to 1700, we're going to do a push. We're going we're gonna to do a follower push. I'm thinking maybe Wednesday or Thursday. I was thinking yesterday. I, I need a banger tweet. I haven't had one in a while. So I'm going to hold up my end of the bargain. I'll try to think of something clever. It's hard when you're tweeting about the Brewers. It's not an electric market that doesn't spread across the internet like wildfire. I need to, you know, think bigger. Think better than just, wow, good start by Eric Lauer. I, I don't know. Can't go viral with Brewers tweets, but I'll find a way this week. We're going to have a follower push at some point, thinking Wednesday or Thursday. You can also text call the show at 608-796-2558. One hour from now, I would like to say a couple of things about the NBA Finals and how those finals, specifically the performance of one player, Jason Tatum, relates to the Bucks and Giannis. I did a lot of driving this weekend, listened to a lot of NBA podcasts, 
And I heard a lot of Tatum commentary. And all I could think about when listening to comments about Tatum was Giannis. Just made me appreciate Giannis all the more. So that's coming up in about an hour. We're talking about the Brewers right now. Swept the Reds over the weekend. And we're wondering, have they turned a corner? This was a question posed today on the Bill Michaels show by Ben Kenny. I appreciate Ben having me. It was a fun four hours from 10 to 2. Bill's back tomorrow. But have the Brewers turned a corner? What do you think? Well, sweeping the Reds certainly helps. One thing that I like, a nice takeaway that we can talk about and use moving forward, even against good teams like the Cardinals, who the Brewers start a set with tonight at 7-10, they have this new battery in the middle of the order, this new powerhouse between Hunter Renfro and Willie Adamas. Hunter Renfro homered every game in Cincinnati over the weekend. He reminds me of Avi Garcia, which I love, because when Avi would get hot, and hit bombs. He would just he would do it in such a disrespectful way. He'd hit a home run and he'd be F you to the ball. That's how he'd hit. He'd hit him so hard and far. It was just disrespectful to the pitcher who threw the pitch. And I loved it. And Hunter Renfro, who's just built like a tree trunk, just swatting balls. Willie Adamas crushed a couple this weekend, too. He's hot. He's got 13 home runs of this season. That's best among the National League, uh, at least shortstops in the National League. Second in Major League Baseball behind Corey Seeger, who is in the AL. On the Rangers. Right now, Renfro and Adamas are the powerhouse. And Yelich did a good job of getting on base in front of them. The way this Brewers batting order works, it's probably not always going to be that way. I doubt you can fast forward to the end of July or August and have Renfro and Adamas be the hot bats all year long. It's not how it works. Greg Council, I think, moving forward has to be real fluid with his lineups. If Renfro and Adamas start to slow down, but Rowdy Telez starts to mash, and Omar Narvaez mash, move them. Move them up aggressively, right? Always move guys around. Craig Council's not afraid to move the lineup, but he's also on the record plenty of times saying lineups don't matter. So I I don't really know. Yelich to the leadoff spot seems to matter. Some part of batting order's got to matter. Let's talk to Daryl, 608-796-2558. What's up, Daryl? Welcome. Well, first of all, let's talk about the first thing that needs to get out of the way. Okay. Who picked the Warriors in six? Uh, did you, you did, if I remember correctly. Yes, I did. How can I second thing, let's get. To, okay, second thing, uh, I was enjoying all that cherry Kool Aid I was drinking uh, as as the Brewers were doing the job on on the Reds this weekend. Yeah, uh, I was. That was good. That was good Kool Aid watching it go watching them go bye bye. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh huh. But I'm remembering too. They are the Reds, and they aren't a very good baseball team. Now we're going to get that test that we we've needed so badly. We thank the Cardinals for losing yesterday, so that they could uh, uh, we could wind up tied for first place, and that this is a uh, very important series as far as it goes, uh, as far as how this division is going to shake itself out eventually. Um, my my point in the matter, going back to one of your first things that you've talked about today, and that is Lorenzo Cain. Yeah. I've seen I've seen Lorenzo Cain a number of times when he would crash into the wall and do everything possible to make a play. I'm sure that over the t- over his uh, time, whether it's in Milwaukee or Kansas City, that those were plays that probably uh, took a toll on his body. But I noticed one thing in particular that you didn't probably note. I noticed you said something about the fact that in 2020 uh, that he basically yes. He did basically bail out on the Brewers because of COVID. Yeah. Okay. So this was, I mean, at, at that time, at that time, uh, you could tell that uh, uh, I think he was struggling with stuff as far as it goes. Not, not, you know, 
family issues, whatever else, things that were important to him. Yeah. And that he felt it was more important to stay away from the game and stay away from possible COVID and probably doing what, what he could to protect his family. But I think, and if, as it went on, the following year we had, I believe, uh, one uh, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing in the outfield too. And I think that he was starting to share time with him as far as it goes out in the uh, center field. And I think if you combine that run there and the fact that he started to, everything started to slow down, started to get worse for him as far as it goes, things like that. I give the Brewers, and I say this honestly, I give the Brewers credit for letting him be designated for assignment on the day that he got his 10th year in. Because that's important in a number of ways for him. whether he decides to play baseball or not, he's also part of a pension plan. He's also uh, for the players and various other things as far as it goes so that he can still be part of baseball if he wants to come back, whether it's as a coach or a manager or whatever else. Yeah. Or if, uh, um, if, if he decides that uh, he should make one last run as a player. I don't think he's going to make one last run as a player. I honestly think that he's done. I think he's done. To be honest with you, I think yeah. all those, uh, like I said, jolts in the wall and all the plays that he's made uh, over the years has finally caught up to him as far as it goes. He took a lot of taxing out of his body to do that. So I, so uh, as as much as far as it goes, my biggest concern, however, though, yeah, isn't about him now. It's about the team. Okay, and here's why I say that about the team. Yeah. Who did they bring up? Who did they bring up from the minors, as far as it goes, to to fill his roster spot? Basically, a nobody. Hey, Jonathan Basically Taylor. No- Jonathan Taylor's going to get drafted in the NBA draft. What do you mean he's a nobody? Oh wait, that's a that's a different Jonathan Taylor. That's my bad. No, my bad. My bad. Never mind. <laughs> we're talking. We're talking. We're talking about what kind of player that we've got, as far as it goes. Uh, who's got similar numbers to Kane, as far as it goes, as as far as not being very effective. And what I'm looking at is I still think, honestly saying this, the Brewers need to make a move differently. And the surprise move was that they didn't bring up Corey Ray. Does that basically guy, a does center that guy, fielder. Does that guy stink now? I saw someone tweet about him today. Do we just is he just not good? What's the deal with Corey Ray? This shouldn't this be his That's time? my point. That's my point. I think it must be at a point where the Brewers have basically said we must not feel good enough about him as far as it goes. Mm. And if that's the case, I'm still saying we need to trade him, Keston Hira, and, and someone else to get go out and get something that is of value to, uh, uh, to, to help in the outfield. Now, uh, Taylor, as far as it goes, as far as what we, what we have out there, yeah. I think he's basically a corner outfielder, not a center fielder. And, and if that's the case, then, uh, over the long haul, um, he's not going to have the speed or defensive ability to to continue playing uh, uh, center field over a, over a long period of time. And he'll be the one guy that if you're going to take shots out there as far as um, base hits and stuff like that, yeah. he'd be the guy I would take my shots at. So I'm just saying if the Brewers need to improve in the outfield, Hunter Renfro is doing his job in right. He's great. Okay. Loving this guy. We have a, le- we have a left field platoon with Yelich and McCutcheon. But now we have a problem that uh, center field, as far as it goes, 
we really don't have the man that uh, needs to be out there uh, that that should be playing every day, and we got nobody in the minors that's ready to do it. So now the Bruce, I have to think, have to consider making a deal, or, and I'll say this, or they could probably consider playing, seeing if uh, Luis Arias could move out to center field. Oh. Hang on, here's what I would do: it Peterson, Peterson at third. Okay. Mathis and Colton Wong over at second base, whichever happens as far as it goes. And you still have your shortstop in Adamas. So you could still put put someone with some ability out there as far as it goes in center field. That would be Luis Arias. He would be the guy that would be the odd man out that could rotate into the infield and still have Taylor play. Hmm. I wonder. Let's try something that. I'm looking at a rotation of a sort that would keep uh, everybody fresh, but at the same time, um, looking at a rotation that would work. Did Luis Arias used to play center field? Am I missing something? Sorry, Daryl, I lost you there for a second, and I appreciate the call. Center field is their biggest need. Did Luis Arias, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I guess I could look at his minors. Where did he play? STP, Milwaukee. I mean, I don't think Luis Arias is moving to the outfield. I wouldn't be surprised if the Brewers shuffle guys around. This is what they'll do. They'll look to add someone, whoever is of good value and whoever fits the mold of who they want to go get. And David Stearns has a type, right? Someone with team control, not the big name that everyone's talking about. And they'll make it work around whoever they add. They need center field help. Uh, and I was talking about this with Ben Kennedy today on the Bill Michaels Show, and I'm going to continue to talk about that because I guess hosted the Bill Michaels Show today. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. <laughs> the Brewers, uh, in terms of war, so wins above replacement, they are better in center field only than the Oakland A's and the Cincinnati Reds. Every other team in Major League Baseball, including the Cubs, including the Pirates, including the Marlins, all of these teams, the Rockies, all of those teams have gotten more offensive production out of their center field. And for the Brewers, it's been mostly Lorenzo Cain, but also Tyrone Taylor. I mean, Tyrone Taylor's got 102 plate appearances as a center fielder. I think what the Brewers will do, if I would guess, Daryl, seeing you made it about center field, which is a huge need for them, and it's their biggest need by far. I think what the Brewers will do is let Tyrone Taylor play for a week or two and see what it looks like. Just feel it out. And they'll try to get a sense of whether Tyrone Taylor can be a full-time, everyday center fielder. I don't think he's a bad fielder. I don't think he's a great fielder. I think he's fine. I think he's somewhere in the middle. And I know he makes these brilliant catches. That's not always the sign of a great fielder. Right, I think there are diving catches that some center fielders would make that a player like Lorenzo Cain would just make standing up because his instincts are so good and his first step is so good. I wish Lorenzo Cain was still on the roster to maybe teach Tyrone Taylor a thing or two, but again, he wanted to move on, which I can only fault him for so much. A little bit of resentment. I wish he would have wanted to stick around, but I get it. They'll probably try Tyrone Taylor full-time for a couple of weeks. He's basically been playing full-time anyways, but put him out there with McCutcheon or Yelich and Renfro, and then we move on. Right, Give it two weeks, see how he looks, treat that as the norm, and see if it works. Uh, and if it doesn't work, if it's not good enough, then you make a deal for a center fielder or you make one for a corner infielder and maybe you move somebody. That would probably be my guess, just knowing how David Stearns operates. The question, have the Brewers turned a corner? Did they turn a corner against the Reds? You can take that any way you want. You can talk about their offense, their pitching, what comes next against the Cardinals, but that's kind of the big-picture idea. Binks, I see your call. I'm going to get to you, I promise, first thing after this break, if you have three minutes to wait. Wisco Sports Show, back in a few. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're talking Brewers. If you want to chime in on the U.S. Open, Stanley Cup Finals, if you have something to say about the Packers, fire away. I don't know what that would be. Uh, But if you can come up with a Packers topic today, you're a better radio host, you're a better content creator than me. So let her rip. 608-796-2558. Talking Brewers, the topic that was thrown out by... My colleague, good, good buddy, Ben Kenny, my radio cousin. By the way, happy Father's Day to my radio father, Ebo, uh, on the zone. I can't wait to talk to him tomorrow and formally wish him a uh, belated happy Father's Day. The question that Ben posed today, have the Brewers turned a corner? And on the afternoon show, I said, well, I don't know if they've turned a corner, but they're comfortable. That's the word that I'm going to use. That's how I feel. I don't know if the Brewers have turned a corner, We have a great thermometer series against the Cardinals and then another great thermometer series, just a a litmus test, some might call it. Uh, I think we'll learn a little bit about the Brewers and really what they're made of this week. Four games against the Cardinals and then three against the Blue Jays, uncommon opponents. So that series might be a little weird. Cardinals, certainly. That's the take I've settled on. They got comfortable against Cincinnati. They got comfy. Just look at how Adamas hit, Renfro hit. You know, they got up 4 nothing or whatever during Adrian Hauser's start, and then the game came back, and it was tied 4-4, and then they still provided some offense. They just seemed comfortable. Easy to be comfortable when playing the Reds, but a week following losing eight games in a row, I'm going to appreciate every win. I'm going to appreciate every positive step the Brewers are taking. Let's talk to Binks on the island, 608-796-2558. What's up, Binks? Hey, uh, ever talk, have the Brewers turn the quarter? No. They turned the corner during the last series at home and went down. How how do you play teams that are of, uh, that are outside the National League Central and you and they come back and they win those and they cannot beat those teams? Uh, it it's, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. Uh, I so I yes to win against the Reds. It's, you know, it's a good thing. Uh, you know, it's a good feeling. You know, winners win. Yeah. Um, I like what you're listening very intently to your last call or even before I pulled out of the parking lot. Um, he had a lot of good things to say. Uh, I think, you know, him sitting out that COVID year, I think I, I think it screwed a lot of players up. Uh, you know, we talk about our friend Yelich. Uh, I think his problems really started to be did he break his ankle or his knee, Grant? His knee. Knee. Kneecap. Okay. Okay, so I think his problems kind of started there. And to answer the question about center field, and I really love that number 15, Tyrone Taylor guy, uh, what would be so wrong if Yelich tried center field? He's got some range to him. Uh, is, is, you know, now that uh, he's a good leadoff he's a good leadoff hitter that we talked about for a while, uh, should we throw that around a little 
this is start. Well, now it's restarts. And yeah. you know, these things these things take time. I'm not saying let's go up and trade for a bunch of pitchers, but uh, do we need some do we need some relievers? Uh, I not say give up Josh Hader. Please don't give up Josh Hader. Never. Uh, I like I don't know if I ever I like what Brad Brad Botsberger does. I do too. Uh, he was an all star closer with uh, Detroit. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. And I think he'll solve this problem. I, I'm struggling to hear you, so I'm going to let you go. we got to take a break anyways. I'm going to talk yeah. about everything you just said on the other side of this break. I promise. Yeah, now we're really losing him. Sorry about that, Banks. I could make out everything you're saying. Sorry, i got to let you go. we got to take a break anyways, like I said. The Tyrone Taylor thing in center field, it's so interesting, right? Because now Kane's gone, and the door is open for Tyrone Taylor to be a full-time center fielder, which is all we've ever wanted, and now we're freaking out because we need a new center fielder. <laughs> This is how baseball fans work. We're never happy, right? And I'm right in it with you guys. I get it. Let's talk more Brewers coming up next. I couldn't ask anything more. It's been a great ride for me. Farm ride. I put a lot of work in. Put his body through a lot over the years. So uh, I think it's, the body's definitely ready to rest a little bit for sure. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Good tweet here from Jeremy and Scotty, who says, Great call from Deep Space Nine. Yeah, Binksy, I couldn't, I could barely hear you. What's going on these days with callers? We got a bizarre week of callers. I was in for Bill today with Ben Kenny. Dave and Monona called. I've never been so happy to talk to Dave before. Because at least I know his phone's going to sound okay. <laughs> Last time we talked to Hector, I think he was on I-90 with every door and window in his car wide open. Just, just wide open. And I think his head was sticking out the window. At least his phone was. What's, go- what's going on? I don't get it. We have callers who call from way out in the sticks. Bob in Norwalk, for example. We haven't heard from him in a while. That's as, that's as rural as they get. Bob's phone sounds great. Now, I don't want to blame Binks. You know, on French Island, the cell phone tower is not too good. It's hidden back behind the blockbuster. It's kind of behind the... <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. I love French Island. One of my favorite spots around here. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hello to all the fine folks on French Island. Not just French Island, but... Wherever you're listening, man, I appreciate you being here, and I'd love to talk brewers with you. Give me a text or call if you'd like, or you could just kick back and listen. Like, for example, if your phone sounds so bad that I can barely hear you, you know, maybe just sit back and listen. Maybe, yeah, you, you can do that. 608-796-2558. Give me a call or a text. Find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Have the brewers turned a corner? A question that was so aptly posed by Ben Kenny earlier today on the Bill Michaels show. It could mean any 
It mean anything. What does that mean to you? Is the offense turned a corner? Is the bullpen turned a corner? They were really good the last couple of days. Hobie Milner just continues to do Hobie Milner things. You know, that that guy, <laughs> even without Josh Hader this weekend, very, very good pitching and relief. Uh, starting pitching, what Brandon Woodruff's getting healthier, but now Ashby's on the 15-day IL. That's just sick. It's great. Maybe they've turned a corner. They're starting to play with more confidence. Maybe they've turned a corner and they've figured out their lineup with Yelich at the leadoff spot. Whatever it means to you, have the Brewers turned a corner. Take that any direction you want. I have some thoughts, including some stats I want to share with you, offensive stats, before the Cardinals game. But first, oh, man, am I happy to hear from this guy. David Monona, 608-796-2558. What's up, Dave? Hey, buddy, a couple positive things. Oh, my God. You you guys are thoroughly enjoyable to listen to now that Ben doesn't put planks to sleep. And you guys have incorporated, you know, a little fun, a little, little family life, a little that was, social life. That was life. mean on Twitter, by the way. You, you said that Ben was as boring as a houseplant. What was that for? Because Ben is boring because he, I, I've been trying to get him for months to interject his personal life. He did today. You interject your personal life, have some fun, like you do. You talk about, you know, some things you did in the weekend. He comes back from breaks. He still just goes, bam, 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 done. It's like, Ben. He's all business. Fun. All business, Ben Kenny. Well, today he was, uh, you know, the first couple of hours I had to tune into you guys. You guys were having some fun, and you mixed some sports in there. And and then, of course, here I here I have this great respect for you. And then I hear you're out looking for binoculars to go bird watching. Oh, for those who, who for those who know Ben, I mean, knows uh, Grant. This guy goes out, forgets his binoculars, going camping, and he goes bird watching, looking for white. Owls or whatever you look oh, for, and white owl cigars much better than Swishers. That's a contentious topic, I, by the way. I mean, I, I was just beginning to turn the corner on you, and then you, know, you, you have to spoil it by I'm going bird watching. Well, just, I, I wasn't uh, just going bird watching. I like to have for those who miss this, which I'm guessing is a lot of people. So thank you, Dave. Now I get to explain this. I I you know go fishing up north is a very manly thing or camping or hiking. I like to have binoculars yes. on because what if I see some animal? In the distance, I want to be able to see it so I can, what is that? I want to be able to identify it. A man should be able to identify wildlife. iPhones, iPhones, iPhone, cameras, cameras, iPhones. You well, can videotape it. Okay, all right. We'll agree to disagree on this one. That's fine. We, 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 what, <laughs> what's going on with baseball? I'm sure you have some brewers. Anyway, uh, you know, I'm hoping, selfishly, the brewers go on a tear here because it, may, it makes our company tickets that much more valuable. I heard a thing that I didn't realize with the brewers. The last 29 out of 42 games have been on the road. Mm-hmm. If that's true, and you survived that in first place, Brewer fan, stop your whining. That's an outstanding thing. You guys are going to win the division when everybody gets back healthy. But 29 and 13 road versus a home, that's phenomenal to come back. And I want them to do well because the better they do, and the, the, the more my customers want to go to a game and and that type of thing. Because I'm, you know, Milwaukee, the Cardinals, Screw the Cardinals. I can't, you know, I, I can't stand them. I wish that city would just blow up you know, amongst a bomb, you know, and poof, go away. Wow. But, uh, but Milwaukee, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, the Milwaukee fans, you got some great, you know, you got a lot of hope there um, with 29 road games. Well, okay. But, I mean, the final thing is, yeah. I love the fact that Clownsell finally utilizing Pickle Yellish's skills. I was going to ask you this. Get over people to 26 million. Get over it. He, he, he's ripping off. He's ripping off the organization. But now he's doing. If he's going to slap and tickle and steal a couple of bases and get on base and walk for the big boys, 
Are you kidding me? I mean, if that's your best leadoff hitter. Who cares what you're paying him? If he's getting on base at a you know, 354 in a clip just by slap and tickle, who cares what he's getting paid for it? Hell, give, give me a guy like that who's going who's gonna to get on base and let the big boys. But hopefully Clownsell won't get stupid and try to change things around. But that's a, that's a – by the way, this whole call has been way too positive. i got to go. You were ripping me for buying binoculars. All right, I'll let you go, Dave. Have a good one. What do you mean too positive? You – found a way to rip me as usual it's kind of a weird thing to rip me for it's a manly skill it's a manly skill to be able to identify you know different types of wildlife you know look at that bird up on the branch what is that oh i bet grant knows let's ask him there you go i can be that guy in in the group if you're an outdoorsman loving friend group and you're like we need that guy i could be that guy i always got my binoculars is it do i do i Share the whole backstory of why that came up. No, I, that's that that's going to be a trade line, a trade deadline conversation. Let, let's talk about the Yelich thing. This is something that came up with Ben earlier today. Ben Kenny, by the way, and you can go listen to the podcast. Ben thinks this is going to transform the Brewers' offense. Well, it, it has. He believes that moving Yelich to the leadoff spot has transformed this offense, and that the offense is no longer the issue. Ben today said he's not worried about the offense. It's the pitching that needs to get right. Eric Lauer's got to start pitching better. Uh, Brandon Woodruff's got to come back healthy. Corbin Burns has to be better than he has been. He's been fine, but he could be better. I mean, he's, he could be a Cy Young-type pitcher. He's just been, you know, pretty good to fairly good, depending on the day. And with this Yelich to the leadoff spot move, I've thought it's great for Yelich. This is a move that will get Yelich going. It will make him a better player. It will give him a new lease on life, a new point of view, and it will get him going. That's what I've been thinking about over the last couple of weeks. He was moved there on June 8th. He's hitting 297 since then. He had an eight or nine game hitting streak, whatever. It was a lot of slap and tickle, as Dave said. It's a lot of singles, but whatever. You got to get whatever you can from this guy. The money is spent. That hay is in the barn. So we're not going to cry about how much he's getting paid. The money's been paid. Check has been signed. It's taken to the bank. It's endorsed on the back. It's It's done. So forget the money. We got to figure out how you can get the most from Yelich possible, whether that's in the three hole and the leadoff hole. And that's that's what I've been thinking about. I have looked at the Yelich leadoff move as a Christian Yelich thing. Now, Ben this afternoon said that this is going to be a difference maker for the whole offense. This transforms the whole offense. This makes the whole offense better. And I, I believe him to a certain degree. Yeah, I agree with him to a, a certain degree. I mean, you look at, uh, I believe it was Saturday's game. Rowdy Telez hits a double to the gap. Who's on base to score? Christian Yelich. Later in the game, Willie Adamas hits a ding-bomb. Who's on base to score? Christian Yelich. So, yes, Christian Yelich being in the leadoff spot and getting on base and playing well, that benefits the whole offense. But I've been thinking about it just in terms of Yelich. How do we improve him? How do we make him a better player? And this is what I said on the afternoon show, and I I was excited to bring this back up. I think Christian Yelich, 80% is the same player now that he was a couple of weeks ago. I don't think Yelich has transformed into a different player. I don't think he's doing anything differently. I just think he was moved to the leadoff spot. Being a little bit more successful, he's getting more hits, he's playing with a little more confidence, but it's not like he started banging home runs and hitting doubles and extra base hits. No, it's it's still mostly singles. The deal is when you hit singles in the leadoff spot, it's, it's different, right? That's good enough. That's great. Just get on base. Let the guys behind you drive you in. Yelich has probably seen a lot more fastballs as well. Doesn't want to get put on base to start an inning, so he's getting better pitches to hit, okay? I look at the Yelich moving to the leadoff spot like making a to-do list, right? And I explained this to Ben today. 
Ben's a big note taker, by the way, which I learned about him today. Very interesting. So I have my little legal pad here. I like my my yellow legal pad where the where the page flips over the top and then tucks behind. And I, I write my things down in the studio every day. And sometimes when I come in, I make a little to-do list. And typically when I put things on my to-do list, it's things I was going to do anyway. Like these things are getting done whether I write them down or not because they have to get done. Very rarely am I putting things on my to-do list that's like way out of the ordinary. Normally, if I, uh, I got to come in in my day of work, I got to do some, some things with the schedule. I got to prep for my show maybe cut a little audio, and I got to go on Z93 and do my thing over there. It's a music station, top 40 station. Those things are getting done anyways. The difference is when I write them down and put them on a to-do list, I get to check them off as I go. That makes me feel good. Get a little bump from that. I feel like I was extra productive today. I didn't do anything out of the ordinary. I didn't do anything extra. But because I took the time to write the things down, I'm like, oh, look at me being productive. No, Grant, you're having the exact same day you've had for the last couple of years, you're doing the same thing every day. But when you write it down and you check that box, you a little extra bump. It feels better. So how does this tie into Christian Yelich? Well, Yelich, by and large, is doing the same things he's been doing. The difference, council moved him to the leadoff spot. So now it's like, hey, you're still hitting for singles and you're still not hitting for power producing runs. But, hey, you're doing it from the leadoff spot. Ah, pretty nice. That feels different. It feels special it feels new it, it feels like you're accomplishing something even though you're doing the exact same thing you were doing before Yelich, that is do you get how this analogy works it's just changing the scenery a little bit so the singles and the walks and the good base running and the stolen bases it's the same thing you were doing before but now it's in the leadoff spot so it feels better and i think because it feels better and Yelich has got a little taste of success like i feel when i check something off my to-do list it gives him a little bump so if i finish my to-do list today even though, again, didn't do anything extra. I go home and I think, wow, was I productive. What a, what a terrific day of work. Look at everything I got done. So then I get to go to bed tonight and wake up tomorrow thinking, ho, ho, I can conquer the world. Because you know what? I got everything on my list done yesterday. So when I come in tomorrow and I make my list, who's to say I, I don't get bold? And I add another thing on there. <laughs> Look at Cran. He's going to take the garbage in his office out. Look at that. Or uh, he's going to make a new promo for the show. That's pretty cool. Maybe cut up Dave's call. Oh, Dave's making fun of Grant for using binoculars. That's funny. We can make that into a promo. So look at me. Because I'm riding the high from the day before, I do a little bit more the next day. And I think that's what's going on with Yelich. Took the same skill set, same role, same level of success by and large. And Council just moved it to a different spot in the lineup. It's nothing different. Nothing's changed. Except now Yelich feels like he's successful. Look at me. I'm playing the role of a leadoff hitter. Why haven't I been doing this my whole life? And I think maybe that's added some confidence, a little extra swagger, and just a new lease on life. I think this team, especially after losing eight in a row, and the offense stinks, and they're dealing with injuries, they just need something. It's a long season, especially in June, because the beginning of the season, the magic has worn off. We're not really to the all-star break or the trade deadline yet. We're sitting in this awkward middle ground of June. Opening day and that magic's worn off. Just kind of the dog days. We're waiting for the all-star break and the trade deadline. And things get a little stale, especially when you're losing eight in a row and you're dealing with injuries. So what's happened in the last week or two weeks? Right? Think about it. Yelich has moved to the leadoff spot. That's new. That's fresh. That's good. That's something we can talk about. Something we can work with. That that's We can use that, baby. And then, oh, Craig Council gets a record-setting win. Look at us. We can party in the clubhouse. I mean, we we beat, who did they beat at the time? The The Nationals on Sunday? Yeah, we beat the Nationals. What does it really matter? Eh, nothing. But what are you going to do? Or who did they beat last week? The Phillies? I can't remember. 
memory's going today. I can't even remember who was in the 2020 World Series. It was like two years ago. Memory's going. Do you get my point? Do you get what I'm saying with Yelich? I don't think the, 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 the wheel has been reinvented here. Just moved Yelich to a different spot. Same skill set, same level of success, but it feels different. Just like me. If I come into work and get three things done and go home, whatever. But if I make a to-do list at the beginning of the day of three things and I check them off, well, now I'm walking around with a little pep in my step. It's different, even though it's basically the same. Rock and Rick. 608-796-2558. What does Rock and Rick got to say? I love that Dave said slap and tickle to describe what Yelich is doing. I I think of Jason Kendall whenever you talk about a player that only slaps singles. Rock and Rick, if he's slapping opposite field, that's good. Hitting outside pitches is what you should do. Him as an on-base threat to steal may take some pitchers' attention, then they make some mistakes, and hopefully other guys hit those mistakes. Here's the thing. If we wanted to simplify the Brewers' offensive struggles as simple as possible, boil it down to the very root of the issue when they're not performing, they don't make the opposing pitcher work. They don't make that guy work hard at all. They don't fight off pitches, right? They don't defend the strike zone. They don't choke up. They don't put balls in play. They just go up there and they strike out. Any pitcher worth his salt, even if they're the fourth or fifth guy in the rotation on a bad team, you let them get in a rhythm and you don't make them work. You don't make them stress because there's no one on base because you're not seeing lots of pitches. Of course you can cruise. And that's why these terrible pitchers seemingly always beat up on the Brewers. It's like, oh, Hunter Green's going to gas us down. I understand that wasn't the case this weekend. If you don't make them work, of course they're going to pitch their ass off against you. You're not putting any stress on them. You're not making them work. So I agree with you, Rock and Rick. That's really what it comes down to. When the Brewers are struggling on offense, it's because they don't make the pitcher work. Or the defense. Put the ball in play. Make the shortstop make a good throw. Right? And we saw that against the Mets last week. Oh, that's who it was. It was against the Mets. That's when Council got his big win. Now, I see I can remember things. I have a memory. Let's take a break. I want to set up some statistics going into tonight's game tonight's series against the Cardinals. Brewers have some things to prove offensively. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Coming up next, it's the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. A little breaking news. I don't know if you care or not, uh, but I want to talk about the NBA and the NBA Finals here in about 15 minutes. So this is kind of connected. P.J. Tucker is going to opt out. He's going to become a free agent. Set to make $7.4 bucks for the Heat. Instead, he wants to go somewhere else. I wonder if that's for money. I wonder what happened in Miami. It seemed like the perfect place for him. Just a bunch of psychos. Heat culture. Why is Heat leaving Miami? That's kind of weird. Unless he thinks he can get more money. I mean, maybe some team will pay him more money not giving him multiple years maybe a team wants to give him 10 million for one year i guess i guess make that hey make the money am i gonna judge i wonder if the bucks have any interest hmm hmm talk more about the bucks in the nba finals here in about 10 minutes why don't we try to put a pin in this brewers conversation if you have any thoughts give them to me now 608-796-2558 twitter at wisco grant the mayor in new glarus i love this text says, what's up, Grant? It's one of the first things I learned playing baseball was to put the ball in play, make the other team play perfect. Yes, yes, yes. You know, we could talk about 
hard hit rate and launch angle and OPS versus lefties and versus righties. And it, it all matters. Yes, it all makes a difference. But really, when you simplify baseball and offense in baseball down to the simplest thing, it's about putting the ball in play or hitting the ball and making the other team work. Make the defense field the ball and throw to first. Make the outfielders make the catch. Make them run down a ball in the gap. And yes, you're going to hit home runs too. I get it. But that puts pressure on a pitcher. That stresses a pitcher out. That gets the crowd into it. That gets the dugout juiced up, right? Everything is connected. When the Brewers aren't hitting the ball, it's because they don't put any pressure on the opposing pitcher. That's how you lose two of three games to a Nationals team that stinks. It's the worst pitching staff in baseball. And yet they mowed the Brewers over Friday and Saturday last weekend. Because the Brewers didn't make him work, didn't put any pressure on him, right? So that's really what it comes down to. Pressure, applying pressure. Renfro and Adamas did in Cincinnati. Hunter Renfro reminds me of Avi Garcia. When Avi Garcia would get hot, just belt baseballs. So Renfro hit a homer in every game this weekend. Adamas has 13 now, which is best among NL shortstops. Second in baseball behind only Corey Seager, plays in the American League. For the Texans. No, the Ra- the Rangers. Yeah, the Texas Rangers. Whatever. You you get it. So Renfro and Adamas are the powerhouse right now. Brewers dropped their lineup within the last 10 minutes. Let me pull it back up. I was hoping that maybe we would get a Caratini designated hitter today, but that puts them in a tough spot. Yelich, Adamas, Telez, McCutcheon, Renfro. Renfro's hitting fifth. Interesting. Narvaez, Urias, Kira at second base. Center field is Tyrone Taylor. Is Colton Wong going to come back and, I don't know, do anything? Like, Does he plan on being a factor at any point this season other than maybe just kicking the ball around at second base at a level that's really, really bad for how good he's supposed to be? Just wondering, for a friend, just wondering, you know, if Colton Wong ever plans on coming back. So that's the lineup. Renfro and Adamas have been the power unit. Telez has been great as well. Yelich, obviously, in that leadoff spot has been great. And I think it's been good for Yelich, as we've talked about, but it's also been really good for the rest of the offense. Now you don't have this black hole in the three hole. It's not going to produce any runs. Like I don't want Yelich getting up there hoping to slap a single or hoping to walk. We need someone to eventually drive in runs on this team. This weekend it was Renfro and Adamas. Brewers have a lot of to prove against the Reds. I don't know what I was trying to say there. Brewers have a lot to prove against the Cardinals. Let me go back and try that again. A lot to prove against the Cardinals. This will be a great week to talk Brewers. I'm really excited because the series against the Cardinals is going to tell us a lot. Both of these teams have the same record. The Brewers are built on pitching. The Cardinals are built on offense. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. We'll be able to dig deep and actually talk about important things. It's not like they're playing the Royals in early May and it doesn't matter. You know, that kind of stinks. That's not fun to talk about. This week, it's going to be fun to talk about. A couple of statistics to bear in mind as we go into tonight's game. The Brewers' offense. Can they hit good teams? Can they score against good teams? Against teams 500 or better, Milwaukee has an OPS of 598, which is worst in the National League. It's second worst in Major League Baseball behind only Tampa Bay. Of the Brewers' 89 home runs, which is third best in baseball, so a lot, Only 20 of them are against teams 500 or better. That is a really damning statistic. I know you can stack up home runs against the Reds and the Pirates and the Cubs. Can you hit a couple against the Cardinals? Can you hit a couple against the Phillies, the Dodgers, the Padres when the time comes, the Mets? 
The Cardinals aren't an elite pitching team. They're not the best that baseball has to offer, but they're going to see Michaelis tonight, Flaherty, Adam Wainwright, Dakota Hudson, who are their four best guys, and they're all righties. So that should be an advantage for the Brewers because they can't hit lefties worth the damn. Let's see if they can score some runs because <laughs> they haven't been able to this season against teams that are worth a darn. Big Joe, 608-796-2558. What's up, Big Joe? What's up, buddy? How you doing, Grant? I am doing swell. We got hockey tonight, the Brewers. I don't have any plans. I'm excited, I'm buddy. I'm a, I'm a big Avalanche fan, my friend. Really? How long have you been an Avalanche fan? I've never heard of this before. I uh, got my senior pictures taken with my Avalanche jersey on. Hmm. So since 2005, I uh, hmm. I like Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg back in the day. Patrick Waugh. Well, you're talking to the right guy if you're trying to lie about being a fan of an NHL team because I don't know anyone or anything. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm suspicious, but I'll allow it. I'm excited for you. The Avs look awesome. Great game on Saturday. I, I tell you what, I was when the series started, Grant, I wanted to see possibly, you know, I was pulling for Colorado the whole way. But it, it's still cool to see a team like Tampa Bay going for three straight championships. I mean, to do it, that's, that's quite the milestone, my man, but... It's tough to repeat just once, even. Oh, yeah, especially I mean, in hockey. You know, we, you know how hard it is in hockey. I've been talking about this forever. Hockey is the most difficult sport to repeat or something. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. It hasn't been happening since the 80s, since Gretzky's Oilers. And really? before that, it was the Islanders. Yep. Yeah, in the early 80s, the Islanders, when they won four in a row. I remember reading that last week. Yep. I, know, I know things. <laughs> uh, Grant, I'm going to the Brewers this weekend to watch the Brewers and the Blue Jays. I'm going with my girlfriend and my stepdad and nice. my stepbrothers. It's going to be a good time. I tell you what, I'm going to be wearing a Vlad Guerrero Jr. t-shirt, but I'm cheering for the Brewers, so don't worry. I just want to see Vlad Guerrero go yard one time, and I want the Brewers to win, though. Okay, can you, um, can, can you wear a Brewers hat? It seems, it seems kind of messed up that you're going to do that, Big Joe. What if I wear my Brewers socks? Okay. All right, but pull them up high so we can all see. Show off, show off those thighs and those calves. Show them off. <laughs> it's got the logo on it anyway, buddy. So they're they're really cool socks. I got them at a store up here in the Madison area called Name of the Game. They got all sorts of cool stuff. All right, all right. I, I believe it. Do you think the Brewers have turned, uh, a, turned a corner, Big Joe? What do you, do you think of them right now? I think so, buddy. I think once these injuries and everybody starts getting healthy, they're starting to swing the bats a little bit again. I mean, I think. I think it's going to be the Brewers and the Cardinals the whole way, buddy. And I tell you what, this is going to be a big four-game series. I tell you what, I agree. I agree, Big Joe. Thanks for the call, man. i got to take a break. Yeah. It's nice to hear from you. Enjoy the game this weekend if we don't have buddy. Before. Good talking to you. Yeah, have a good one. That's Big Joe in Madison, 608-796-2558. Hmm. Get a text here from the mayor in New Glarus. Obviously, okay, I love, <laughs> I love this follow-up text. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to reset. I'm going I'm to read this again. This makes me laugh. Thank you for this, the mayor. He says, hey, Grant, what's up? One of the first things I learned playing baseball was to put it in play, make the other team play perfect, which I love. It's a great point. But this classic thing in sports talk radio, people call or they text or they tweet in, well, back in my day when I played, and it's just, you know, so, okay, whatever. He follows up 10 minutes later and says, obviously I haven't played in the majors. <laughs> yes. But every level I play that works really well. Plus, I was fast. LOL. Yeah, if you could just hit a little dribbler, make that bummy third baseman who doesn't have an arm in sixth grade, make him throw to first. I bet he can't do it. I love that you followed up. Obviously, I haven't played in the majors, but... <laughs> I 
appreciate you, Mayor. Thanks for the text. 608-796-2558. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. When we come back, I was on Bill Michaels' show today, so I, I'm going to channel Bill. When we come back, the NBA Finals wrapping up last week, Boston Celtics falling in six games, and I, I tell you what, I heard a lot of Jason Tatum complaining over the weekend, listened to a lot of NBA podcasts, and it just made me appreciate Giannis all the more. I'll tell you more what I'm talking about coming up next. It's the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Show. My name is Grant Bills. Find me on Twitter if you care to do so. At Wisco Grant. Text and call 608-796-2558. I want to talk basketball. If you'll indulge me. The NBA Finals ended last Thursday. Feels like it was weeks ago. It's very, it's very bizarre the way we moved past it. But then again, we've gone through some things with the Brewers, right? The U.S. Open was this weekend. Stanley Cup Finals, which are a thing on this show now, by the way. Big hockey show. Um... <laughs> Of course. I want to talk NBA Finals because I got a chance to kind of say my piece on it on Friday's show. I had to pre-record most of Friday's show because I had a wedding to go to and we didn't have someone to fill in. I'm like, well, I could do a best of, but it's not every day the Celtics are just eliminated from the postseason. I'm not going to miss going on air the next day. I'm just that's not really, doesn't really interest me. So, <laughs> so I recorded something and I gave my thoughts on... Uh, I gave my thoughts on the Celtics, and then I kind of went my separate way. Drove up to the cities, had a wedding on Friday night, which was just a treat and a joy. It was a blast to see friends and family. Saturday, hung out with some more friends. We had a family get-together at my parents' house yesterday, so I watched a little bit of golf, saw the end of the Open, um, and checked in throughout the day. And then yesterday, driving back, I applied myself, and I listened to a couple of NBA podcasts. I listened to Zach Lowe, The Low Post, crossover episode with the Hoop Collective, Brian Windhorst. Listen to Bill Simmons, who I believe talked about the finals with Joe House. And then a later episode this weekend talked about him with Rosillo and just taking in all of this commentary, talking in all or taking in all these thoughts about the Celtics, who I thought were the better team. And I think on paper, the Celtics were the better team. I think they're bigger, more physical, better defensively, although the Warriors proved to be a really tough nut to crack defensively. I still think the Celtics are a better team. Problem is they turn the ball over too much. And it, it got to the point in the series where I I kind of had to let go of my take of the Celtics being the better team because you, you'd read Celtics people and you'd listen to certain basketball fans and they'd say, well, the Celtics would be better if they could just stop turning the ball over. Well, turning the ball over is a part of, it's a part of basketball, right? You can't say they'd be the better team if they... If they stopped turning the ball over, then they'd be the better team. But because they can't, they're not the better team, right? Be like, well, Aaron Rodgers would be the best quarterback in the world if he, you know, never threw interceptions. Well, throwing interceptions is a part of football. It's a part of being a quarterback. You can't just isolate the one flaw and say that it's a, a thing. You know what? The Celtics they didn't really have a true point guard. Derek White, I thought, was pretty close to it. His confidence ebbed and flowed way too much. I thought the moment and the pressure and the stress got to him a little bit. He just kind of shriveled in the moment, right? Celtics didn't really have a true ball handler, so the turnovers are to be expected. They were a sloppy team, but they also were constructed really without a true point guard, without a floor general. So, of course, you're going to turn the ball over. That's the way the team is built. 
right? If you build a team like the Packers did in 2019 and you really didn't pay much attention to the interior defensive line or your front seven, your inside linebackers, you're going to give up. You're going to give up yards on the ground, right? It would be silly for us to say, why are they giving up yards on the ground? That's how the team is built, right? The Celtics were built in a way that they turn the ball over, right? It's part of what they do. Now, the Jason Tatum discourse. Let's talk about the Jason Tatum discourse. Um, The podcast I listen to, It's very somber because a lot of them, I think, are from the East Coast. They're Boston fans. And I think a lot of people were expecting this Jason Tatum arrival, this coronation, maybe similar to what we had with Giannis last year, right? He arrives on the scene, takes a really difficult path through the East. Sure, team gets a little bit lucky, but the Bucs last year made really good use of that luck, beat Atlanta in the conference finals, and then went on and and came back from down two games to nothing against the Suns. So yeah, maybe they got lucky against the Nets, but they made the most of it. Yeah, maybe the Celtics got lucky against the Bucks, and then a little bit against the Heat too. But if you make the most of it, you win the title. You don't have to apologize for anything if you win a title. And I think a lot of people thought that we were going to get that with Jason Tatum. I, You know what? I thought we might get it with Jason Tatum too. I thought he was going to have a couple good final series. And because the Celtics as a whole were better than the Warriors as a whole, I thought, okay, well, it's about to be the summer of Jason Tatum. And it didn't turn out to be that way. I'm listening to podcasts this week and the criticisms or the the bullet points that were mentioned with Jason Tatum, the reasons why he wasn't good enough. I started to write them down, things that I was hearing, and, and the more I wrote down, the more I thought, wait, this just makes me appreciate Giannis more. So the number one thing that I heard, especially from people who were probably pro-Boston and, and wanted to see the Celtics win, Tatum got fatigued. He got tired Right? He was worn down, played too many games, and he was he was beat. He was defeated. Right Now, Jason Tatum was fourth in the NBA playoffs this year, east and west, in minutes per game. He averaged 41. And that was behind Durant, who played 44, but only for one series. Siakam, who'd played 43, but only for one series. And Kyrie Irving, who played 42. DeMar DeRozan was also up there. Maxie was up there. James Harden, Brandon Ingram. These are guys who only played one round. Right, The next closest guy who actually played extended games and played more than one series was Drew Holiday. He was 12th at 38. Jason Tatum played a ton of minutes. If you go back against the Heat, I'm looking at his game log now. 46, 45, 44, 34, 41, 32, 44. Against the Warriors, 40, 44, 43, 41, 34, 42. He played a lot of minutes, and he became fatigued. Right, And I'm like, well, that's part of the game. I think of what Giannis did last year. Now, Giannis missed a couple games in the Atlanta series, and maybe that helped him going into the finals. Who knows? But he also had to deal with an injury. And the part of your brain where where that lives, and there's that thing in your mind telling you, you better play carefully, better watch your step. You're going to blow out your knee. You're going to destroy your legs. So you're not only playing with the fatigue of an extended season all the way into June or in last year's case, July, but Giannis last year was playing with that one thing in his brain telling you, be careful, you're going to blow out your knee. That's tough. And Giannis, because he's insane, dealt with it. And he would he would leave these games in the first quarter, and you could just tell how tired he was. And guess what? He'd go out in the third and the fourth quarter, and he'd score 40, or he'd score 50. And you know what? He'd actually hit his shots from the free throw line, too, assumedly when he was at his most tired, which was at the end of game six, after he'd played a million games into the postseason, a year before going into the second round, or a year after going into the second round, and a year after that, He was fresh into the Eastern Conference Finals. He was playing into game six. So these long extended seasons where he's not really missing extended time during the regular season, 
He's dealing with fatigue. What Giannis did last year, I, I now only appreciate it more watching the way in which Jason Tatum became worn down in these finals. And look, it was his first playoff run that went into the finals. He'd played to the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of times since 2018. But last year was Giannis's first trip into the finals too. And it really made me appreciate what an Iron Man he was. Right? And maybe the lesson moving forward for the Celtics, when you have a chance to put away the Bucks and not let the game go seven, you got to do it. When you have a chance to beat a Miami Heat team that's wildly, 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 wildly worse than the Celtics. The Heat were so much better than the, or the Celtics so much better than the Heat. That game should have been five or, or six games. That series should have been. But it goes seven. That adds up. That counts, right? The Bucks last year in the first round being able to dispense with the Heat in four games was really big. And then they go the seven-game war against Brooklyn. They go six games against Atlanta, right? It's not like, it's not like they fast-forwarded through the playoffs last year. Giannis dealing with fatigue a little bit better. Another thing that folks really were nailing Jason Tatum for, finishing around the rim. And I don't know exactly what statistic, at least standard statistic, I could show you to illustrate that. If you watch these games, you know that he didn't finish around the rim. He really struggled with it. He just really struggled from two in general. And if I go back through the finals, six of 18 in game six. 10 of 20 in game five, eight of 23 in game three. I was poor. Nine of 23, eight of 19, three of 17 in game one. <laughs> and the Celtics won anyways. Three of 17, 12 points in game one. The Celtics won anyways. That's nuts. If you look in the Heat series, it's a little bit better. He had a game where he went three of 14, game where he went nine of 21. He just wasn't very efficient. He struggled to finish around the rim. He avoided contact. He barely ever went to the free throw line. The highest total of free throws he took in any game in the NBA Finals was eight. He should be going to the line 10 times a game at least. This wasn't the case. So he wasn't going towards the rim, wasn't finishing around the rim, wasn't getting to the free throw line. Those are things that Giannis does incredibly well. And it's funny because up until Giannis winning a title, everyone's complaint about Giannis was he runs and dunks. He just, he just, just layups, just dunks, just easy little putbacks. Well, those were the very shots that Jason Tatum couldn't hit. And I know Jason Tatum's smaller. Jason Tatum's 6'9", 210. He's a big guy. When you get a smaller defender on him, and he did at times, he didn't punish him. He wasn't going up with authority. He was playing away from contact. He was falling away. And by the end of game six, it's like, dude, you're throwing shots over your head. You've let go of the rope completely. So all of these things that Jason Tatum couldn't do in the finals, things that Giannis did with ease, maybe we took for granted a little bit, makes me appreciate Giannis and exactly what he was able to do last year. Now that I watched it play out with another player, and look, Jason Tatum's only 24. Giannis's first finals appearance and win came at age 26. But the Bucks were up 2 nothing on the Raptors in 2019, and then things fell apart for the Bucks and especially Giannis. So Giannis's progression is very similar to Tatum, except Tatum happened to advance to the finals. Now, I think the Celtics team as a whole, this last year was a lot better than the, the Bucks in 2018. Very similar trajectories nonetheless, but what Giannis did last year, man, he just figured out angles. He figured out how to finish at the rim. He figured it out. Tatum never figured it out. A lot of fans were calling for Tatum... Trust your mid-range jumper. Put your mid-range jumper to work. Utilize your mid-range jumper. If your three-point shot isn't falling, if you can't finish around the rim, use your, use your mid-range jumper. In Giannis's best games in the finals last year, man, he would hit that mid-range jumper. He had a little extended post-game against the Nets. You look back in game 70 at that, that awesome hook shot uh, in overtime. 
before Chris Middleton had a chance to hit the the actual clutch shot in Game 7. Giannis would go to the mid-range or, again, an extended post-game, so a little bit closer than a mid-range, but not quite in the restricted circle. Just watch the Celtics, listen to a lot of coverage this weekend, and everything that Jason Tatum couldn't do and can't do yet, not saying he can't in a couple of years, but everything Jason Tatum struggled to do was something that Giannis did such a good job with last year. And again, and this seems to be the case, with every NBA game I watch, with every story I read, with every headline, I think, oh, I'm glad Giannis has that figured out. I'm glad we don't have to deal with that with Giannis. That's something Giannis can do. Pretty cool. And I wanted to share that with you today. Let's take a three-minute break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills last couple of minutes uh just a heads up on thursday the ma draft we are going to have a big 10 players only nba draft preview we'll do it in the style of an nba lounge it'll be great probably be the last nba lounge of the season we'll pick it back up i don't know maybe we'll throw one in during summer league i don't know but we can retire it for the rest of the summer but we are going to talk about big 10 prospects we can do johnny davis Jaden Ivey. I guess Jaden Ivey didn't meet with the Sacramento Kings. He says he didn't make the decision to not talk with the Kings. Quote, it just kind of happened that way. Did the Kings not talk to Jaden Ivey? (sighs) The Kings versus doing anything right. It's one of the greatest rivalries the human race has ever seen. Forget sports. The Kings just doing anything correctly. Jaden Ivey would be an excellent pick at four problem is they already have like a million point guards they had three last year and they traded the wrong one they traded the best one and Tyrese Halliburton rest in peace it's now on the Pacers I guess the Pacers are looking to move Malcolm Brogdon I wonder if he wants to come back to the books wonder plays the second string guy I think he would make a ton of sense for the Celtics as a floor general he just doesn't play very many games uh and the defense thing fitting in Boston would be another thing but anyways just mark it down Put it in your little calendar, your planner, or whatever you use to keep track of things. Uh, Thursday, we will begin Thursday's show with an NBA draft preview, and it will feature only Big Ten players. It's going to be a blast. 608-796-2558. Eric on I-90. Eric, God bless you because I have five minutes left of the show, and I didn't know what I was going to finish with. I was going to just rehash some Brewers things, but this is way better. What's up, Eric? Hey, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good, bud. How are you? Good. Say we were worried about you there on Thursday when you you went down on Thursday. What are you talking about? Oh, Tec- te- yeah, technical technical difficulties. technical difficulties. You know what? Between you and me, uh, not my fault. Uh, it was actually Ebo's fault in Madison. They they lost internet, so I wasn't coming through. But they got it back quick, so we got back on the air. No biggie. Are you in a Are you in a panic mode when that happens? Are you like soldering wires and? Uh, I, I'm trying to find the problem. The thing is, I am in a little bit of a panic mode because I can't solder wires. So I often don't know what's wrong. So I have to call people who do know what's wrong. And by this time of the night, most of those people have gone home. I'm one of the few people normally left in the building. So when things go wrong, I I just start unplugging. I just start blasting. I just get to it. And But it was Mad- it was a Madison thing. So I just had to wait patiently. And you know me, Eric. I'm nothing if I'm not patient. Were, were you pissed off? Uh, I was a little bummed because I, I 
like got ready all day because I was so amped to talk about Craig Council setting the record, but whatever. What are you going to do? I know. I missed that love letter to Craig. I, lo- I missed your love letter to Council. I know. What are you going to do, though? He'll he'll set plenty more records. It'll be a lot better when he finally wins manager of the year and then wins the World Series. It'll be better then. Right. Um, so uh, the one reason I was calling you is that uh, I wanted to thank you um, for keeping me in this baseball talk here because I was able to go to my in-laws who are huge Brewers fans. Mm. My brother-in-law is a huge Brewers fan, and I was able to have a conversation with them. And speak intelligently about the Brewers. Wow. What did you say? Which is a plus. What did you say? I'm curious. Well, we talked about Craig Council, and I said, you know, I was able to say, he he played for the Brewers, didn't he? And they were like, oh, then he kept on and on and on about that. And then I said, you know, well, what are the Brewers missing? And they're like, they're not missing anything. I said, sounds like they're just, you know, you know, no. It sounds like they're just missing winning, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They got mm-hmm. all the pieces. I think so. Right? Yeah. Talked a little bit about Yelich. You know, he's not hitting the way he used to. They went on and on about that. So we were able to have a long conversation with just the bits and pieces that I picked up from your show. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I could help. You know, in-laws, that can be a touchy thing. You need ammo to go into a conversation with your in-laws. So I'm glad I could provide that. Right. And I just uh, one thing I I I've been doing with and, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do the same thing but I I've been judging how the Brewers are doing I don't look at the score I don't look at anything I just judge on what I hear on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network because you guys mm-hmm. are kind of like now state media for me you're the only source of my information is the zone. Uh, over the line, your show, and today I heard you on, on Bill Michaels. So that's the only source of information I have. So I'm going to base how what I think the Brewers are doing based on just that. All right. So you're not going to watch Brewers-Cardinals tonight? Are you going to watch hockey? Game three? Big game three in Tampa Bay. Series shifts back to Tampa. No, I, I got something much, much more important to do. I, I, we're right in the middle of Better Call Saul. Oh. Uh, big binge. Ooh, what's going on right now where you are? I I got about a minute left, so we got to wrap up. But tell me before you go, what's going on in the show right now? Well, we're right up into season. We're right up into the last season now. We're actually having to purchase them because (laughs) they're not. They're not streaming, so we're purchasing them through Amazon. I think. I, Um, My wife. My wife is my producer. She handles all that technical stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, I feel you. Well, I got you. Well, enjoy. Well, I'm I'm, I'm. I'm glad you had a good time at your wedding, and uh, that was great. Um, thank you. I showed off some great dance moves. Uh, are you a good dancer? I'm curious, really quickly. You a good dancer? Well, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, of good. course I am. Good. All right, thanks, Eric. <laughs> Have an awesome night. Yeah, you too, bud. Eric on I-90. That was perfect. I didn't know what I was going to talk about for the last five minutes, so that was nice. Eric and his wife, who also doubles as his producer, it's good to know that they're uh, getting into Better Call Saul. Great show. I've been watching Mad Men, but tonight I will have to stick with sports. Uh, game Game Three. I'm too big of a hockey guy. I'm not going to miss that. Oh no, you couldn't. You couldn't pay me money to miss Game Three tonight. I'm going to get my sweater out, throw that on. That's what we call hockey jerseys, us hockey guys. So that's what uh, that's what I got on deck tonight. Enjoy Brewers Cardinals. I will be watching that as well. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk Brewers with David Gasper. Do our whole Tuesday thing. It's going to be a blast. Enjoy the games tonight. I'll talk to you tomorrow at four.